Welcome to the Beltline Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you found us. Please take a second and hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified of these weekly podcasts. Most of all, we hope this podcast will help you take your next step with Jesus. If you want to know more about us, you can visit us at www.beltlinechurchofchrist.org. Here's today's lesson. You know, someone has wisely said that all of life concentrates on humanity standing at the crossroads. Because the reality is, every single one of us, we live in a valley of decision. Our day is filled with choices. Our life is centered on decisions that we make every single day at the crossroads, right? And, and the Bible talks often about this crossroad and, and, and the, this making a decision to go uh, which way we're going to go. Uh, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, uh, Moses says, says, I call heaven and earth as witness against you today. I set before you life and death, blessing and curses. And so he says, choose life. Make a decision. Make a choice. Choose life that you and your offspring may live. In Joshua chapter 24, maybe the most rousing of these, uh, of these verses that talk about making a choice. Joshua says to the children of Israel, Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell. Uh, but as for me and my house, we've made our decision, he says. We are going to serve the Lord. And my favorite story maybe is Second Kings, right? Uh, we have the story of... of, of uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal and before that account takes place, uh, Elijah says to the children of Israel, how long? How long are you going to go limping between two decisions, two different opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if he's not, then follow Baal. The crossroads. Pick one and you go in that direction. Choose another and you're going to go a completely different way. And this is a serious challenge that runs all the way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And in this sermon, this kingdom manifesto, Jesus has been calling us to a deeper righteousness. One that flows from the heart. That, a heart that's responding to the rule of God. And now, at the end of the sermon, which is what we're going to look at. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, but at the end of the this sermon, Jesus is calling us to make a decision. He's calling us to choose. And so let me just remind you as we get started that we can only do things through Jesus Christ if they're going to matter, right? Uh, John chapter 15, we have this incredible section of scripture where, where it says that Jesus is the vine and we are the vine, or he's the vine, we're the branches. And apart from him, the text says, we can do nothing. You see, there's no middle ground. We, we either do what we do with Jesus or what we do amounts to nothing in the kingdom of heaven. And Paul would follow that up and say in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5, he says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to, to, to claim anything is coming from us. No, he says, our sufficiency is from God. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And so we're either dependent on Jesus or we are independent of Jesus. And so we've got to make a decision which path we're going to choose. Are you going to be dependent on Jesus or are you going to be independent? of Jesus. You know, Jesus finishes the main body of his lesson in verse 12 with the golden rule that we looked at last week. But the next verses begin the two options that we face. 
There are two gates, two roads, two animals, two trees, two fruits, and two destinies. And we've got to make a decision which of those we're going to follow. You see, Jesus doesn't come to the end of this sermon wanting a bouquet of flowers for his efforts. That's not what he's after. He, he's not after the accolades of the crowds. He's not after the applause for his high ethics. He's not after approval from his critics. No, Jesus closes the greatest sermon ever preached demanding that those who are listening make a decision. Demanding that we make a decision. So we should not come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount praising him for what he said. We should come on our knees deciding which way we're going to go. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. I want you to Try to picture these two gates in your mind. One is skinny and one is broad. Naturally, the one that's narrow leads to a narrow road and one that's broad leads to a really, really large, broad road. But the question is, what is Jesus getting at here? What do these roads represent? <clears throat> now, there have been some who would say, well, uh, the believers are those on the narrow road and the unbelievers are those on the broad road. But I don't think that's at all what Jesus is saying in this passage. Others have said, well, this is talking about one small group of people who's doing it right while everybody else is going the other way. And surprisingly to no one, uh, everybody thinks that theirs is the little group that's doing everything right. <laughs> I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here either. So what is Jesus saying? As we look at these verses, verses 13 and 14, what's the point that he's making? Here's the point. These two roads are two paths that Jesus has been talking about all throughout this sermon. He isn't referring to believers and unbelievers. He's referring to two kind of people who claim to be followers of God. He's talking to two kind of people that claim to be in Jesus' camp. Remember, the key verse in this entire sermon is Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20, where Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says it is a very narrow road that holds the kind of people who walk that way, who walk by an inner righteousness. But there is a gigantic interstate highway full of people who walk with that Pharisaic self-righteousness. And so we have to make a decision which road we're going to be on. Listen, people on the broad road, as we'll read in verse 21, are saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we call on your name? Didn't we do things in your name? That's not describing an unbeliever. The people on the broad road, they look like sheep on the outside, but they're ravenous wolves on the inside. They stand in their own righteousness and they say, oh God, you're so lucky that I've decided to follow you today. You're so lucky to have me on your team. Aren't you so blessed, God, that I'm with you? That's the broad road, folks. But the narrow road holds those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn over their sins. It holds the meek and those who hunger and thirst for a kingdom-shaped righteousness. One road is like a main artery entering a city wide with many roads and different, car, or different cars side by side. The other is like one of those mountain roads where two cars can't even pass. One of them has to back up to the last wide spot in the road so that the other one can eke by. 
So do you hear what Jesus is saying? Most people are going to try to go on the Pharisaic highway. Does that mean that the majority of us in this building this morning are doing that? Are doing the same thing? You must decide. You must make a choice. Jesus says it's a select few who decide to let God take over. And it's a serious choice that we all must make. Because one road leads to life and the other road leads to destruction. So which road are you going to choose? Now, having told us about two gates and two roads, Jesus explains next how to tell which of the two routes that people have chosen. So as we read this next section, I want you to watch for two animals, I want you to watch for two trees, and I want you to watch for two different kind of fruit. Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits, Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. You know, sometimes we think it's easy to recognize a false prophet. Can I just say this? A false prophet is not someone who disagrees with you. That doesn't make somebody a false prophet necessarily. Now, they could be, but just because they disagree with you doesn't make them a false prophet. Now, we think sometimes it's easy to spot them, though. They're the ones that look, they have that look about. They're the, they're, they're, <laughs> they look like a false prophet. But Jesus says that's not true, because what do we just read? True prophets dress up like, or, or false prophets dress up like true prophets, Spiritually, the false prophet walks around saying, hey, we're sheep too. We're on your side. And Jesus reminds that it's only on the inside that you can tell that, man, their nose is just a little bit longer and their teeth are just a little bit sharper than sheep's teeth and their ears, well, they're, they're just a little bit more pointed than the sheep's ears. The better to hear you with, my dear. It's only on the inside that we can tell. False prophets, false preachers, they don't walk around with a t-shirt that says, hey, I'm a false prophet, follow me. And that's why Jesus changes metaphors and he says, you want to know who's with me and who's not? Look at their fruit. It's not whether they agree or disagree with you. Look at their fruit. Look at the fruit of their life. Suppose you plant a tree and then you get in an argument with your wife about whether you planted a peach tree or an apple tree. Well, the easiest way to settle the argument is to wait until that tree produces fruit. Then it cannot be denied that you were wrong and she was right. (laughs) The bad fruit has been mentioned throughout this entire sermon. Judgmental attitudes, an unwillingness to forgive, a zealousness for earthly treasures, lust. On and on and on it goes. Jesus is talking about the fruits of those that you need to be looking for so you can know who's on the right road and who isn't. And then, if that weren't enough, he follows it up in verse 21 by saying, not everyone, not everyone who says the right things is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, that's the one. On that day, he says, verse 22, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? We did these things in your name, and I will... I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The broad road people are folks who have 
a godly appearance. They're people that know the religious lingo. But here's the difference. Their hearts haven't been transformed. They can, they can quote you the verses. They can pray the prayer. But their hearts haven't been transformed. Those are the people on the broad road. They keep the commandments like don't murder or commit adultery on the outside. But inside, it's just bitterness. Inside, it's just lust. But there are other people who are focused on God. And they want to do the will of the Father. Notice that I said they want to do the will of the Father. They're not always going to do it perfectly. They're not always going to do it right, but that's what they want. They want to have a transformed heart. They want to follow him with all that they have. They, they want it. They want to do his will because they have a relationship with him like a child to a father. And so I just want to ask you, have you been wavering between two opinions? It's time to make a choice between these two roads. One is broad. It leads to destruction. The other is narrow and it leads to life. And so Jesus finishes. He says, everyone, verse 24, who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Jesus finishes the sermon by saying, if we put these words into practice, we will be like a wise man who has built his house on a rock. And I think being a carpenter growing up in the home of his earthly father, Jesus probably knew a little bit what he was talking about here. Maybe Jesus is thinking, I've built some condos on the Sea of Galilee. They just don't last. But I've also built some right here on these rocks. And those are the ones that stand the test of time. They last. And the difference between the two houses that Jesus describes is, is very, very subtle. In fact, a lot of people would think they look exactly the same. For one thing, the houses look alike. And as far as we know, they may have been built from the same blueprint. The windows look the same. The structure's about the same. In the same way... You can look at two people who are about the same height and nearly the same weight. Both look to be athletic. They also may appear to be equally healthy. But suppose, as happens, inside one man's body is being eaten up with disease. Outwardly, they look the same. Inwardly, they certainly are not. And so Jesus says, there is a subtle difference between kingdom-shaped hearts and those that are not. Both of them look like sheep, but only one really is. Both of them fast, both of them pray, both of them give, both go to church, both have religious books laying around, both have Bibles in their cabinets, neither is a murderer, neither commits adultery, neither tells out-and-out out lies, both profess to be disciples, but one man has built his house on the rock, and the other has built his on the sand. And the one who builds on the rock is the person who takes the very words of Jesus and lives them out and does them. That's someone who's built their life on the rock. So, so what words are we talking about? These words, these words that call us to an inner righteousness, not a self-righteousness, but an inner righteousness. And Jesus says, if we don't do that, 
If you just listen to these words and you never act on him, Jesus says you are building on the sand. It's a skin-deep righteousness. It's a righteousness that lacks punch. It's the kind of righteousness that keeps only enough rules to stay out of trouble, but deep down really doesn't want to keep any of the rules at all. Knowing what to do doesn't count for anything if we don't actually do it, right? The proof of faith is in the doing, and if we obediently believe, then we will build our house on the rock. And Jesus says, listen, storms are going to come to every single life. Can I get an oh yeah from you on that? Storms are going to come to every life. A loved one may suffer or die. A job may be lost. A relationship may be torn apart. And when storms like that come, an external Pharisaic righteousness cannot carry you. That kind of faith may last through the calm, but it will not survive the storm. And storms are going to come into the lives of those on a narrow road too. I don't know what form it will take. I don't know what form it's going to take in your life. But rest assured, the rain will come, the streams will rise, the wind will blow, and it will beat against your house of faith. And whether it stands or falls depends upon where you have built. So where have you built? I love this story. I may have shared it with you before. If so, just laugh at the end. Soren Kierkegaard tells a parable of ducks gathering for duck church. Now ducks are interesting animals because they, they can fly beautifully, but when they don't fly, they kind of waddle. <laughs> that was for all the people on video. I wanted them you know, see, see my moves. They waddle. Well, these ducks came to church on Sunday and they waddled into their duck pews. They sang from their duck hymnal. They listened to their duck preacher whose sermon was recorded on duct tape. <laughs> and the duck preacher had a message for his ducks. He said, ducks, you don't have to waddle. Oh, ducks, you have wings like eagle. You can, you can fly. Fly, ducks, fly. And the ducks were like, oh, yeah, preach it. Amen, duck preacher. Wait a yes. And then when the service was over, the ducks got up and they waddled home. Instead of flying, they decided to just keep on doing what they'd always done. It's a fitting description of those who think about righteousness, who think about giving themselves to God, but never get beyond the thinking about it stage. Do you believe this? Do you believe that God wants to change our world? Do you believe that God wants to change this church? Do you believe that God wants to change our hearts? Do you believe that? Well, if that's gonna happen, then we've gotta allow him to change us first. Before it can change this church, before it can change this community, before it can change this world, we've got to allow him to change us first. Uh, John says in 1 John 2 verse 6, whoever says he abides in him, if you claim to be a follower of his, is what he's saying, then you've got to walk in the same way in which he walked. Let me ask you a question. What is 
the fruit of your life? I got to tell you, this question haunts me. Every time I ask it. Because here's my fear. What if I, what if I said, Jesus, I, I, I taught the Bible class to the middle school. <laughs> I preached the sermons. I did all these things in your name. And what if he said, I never knew you. What I wanted from you, what, what if he said to me, what I wanted from you was to live a life free from materialism. What I wanted from you was to live a life of integrity and love. And so I'm haunted. What if I spent my whole life caring about the things that Jesus didn't really care about? All he wanted from me was a life formed according to the cross of Jesus Christ. A cross-shaped life. A life lived according to this sermon. In my opinion, the greatest one ever preached. And so it haunts me, but it challenges me. It brings me to my knees on a daily basis because I don't want to be the one that says, who are you again when I get to heaven? I want to be the one that he says, well done, good and faithful servant. So I'm going to do everything in my power now to make sure that that is my reward. Because if you miss heaven, you miss it all. I, I just got to say this. I know it's Mother's Day and I'm supposed to be positive and all that. I, I get that. But there really is a place called hell. We've got to stop apologizing for hell and start believing in it again. There really is a place where people are going to spend an eternity away from Jesus Christ. And there really is a place where we can spend eternity together with him called heaven. Right? And what we do now determines, not that we can earn it. That's not what I'm saying. But what we do now determines where we're going to spend eternity. He's paid the price for us. Now we live for him. We, we build our lives on the rock and we do what he calls us to do. And so what is the fruit of your life? Where have you been building? Where have I been building? Now, the power of change, man, that is all about God. He's the one who can radically change us. But the choice to allow him to do that, the choice to move with him, that choice is ours and ours alone. So what will you choose? Will you be dependent on Jesus or will you be independent of him? Will you choose the narrow road that leads to a narrow path that ultimately leads to eternal life? Or are you going to choose a different path that doesn't lead where you want it to go? The choice is yours. The choice is yours. As a church family, though, we want to help you. We do. We want, we want to make sure every single person here in this auditorium today, every single person listening online, we want to make sure that you can hear the words, well done, as well. 
So we want to help you with that. Whatever that looks like. If there's needs that you have, if there's, if there's prayers that need to be prayed on your behalf, if, if today's the day that you need to give your life to Jesus, we want to be there. We want to be a part of it. We want to encourage you. We want to build you up. We want to, we want to help you uh, mature and grow. We want, to, we want to be the ones that are watching you take those first steps as a new child in Christ. We want to be the one uh, that, that, that watches you and helps you as you start to, to walk and to run. We want to be the one that helps you then influence other people for good. We want want to be spiritual grandparents for you. We want to, want to help you and help the ones that you're helping. It's what we want. It's what we want to do. It's what a church is supposed to be about. It's, it's not just coming in here and saying a few songs and a free prayers and leaving. No, it's about being together. It's about making these decisions together because sometimes the decisions we make are hard and sometimes we make the wrong ones. We need people to say, whoa, slow down there, big fella. Let's go in a different direction. We need each other. So if we can pray for you, if we can help you, if today's the day you give your life to Jesus, oh, what a day that would be. We will rejoice with you, not just today, but for the rest of our time. We will just be so grateful and thankful. Thanks again for listening. If you are in North Alabama, we would love to have you visit and worship with us. Also, if this lesson blessed you today, Don't forget to hit the share button and share this message with someone else. Hope you will join us again next week. As we close, here is our prayer for you. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week.